my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Phelps. My co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and the bad movies of yesteryear. Now, Chris, obviously we had a classic last week. We had King of the Kickboxers. <laughs> what are we going to choose this week? Well, Dave, this is actually your choice this week. You didn't actually throw me under the bus, which you probably quite rightly could have done after what I inflicted on you last week. But we're going back to 1999. Brad Pitt, Edward Norton and Helen Bonham Carter, Helena Bonham Carter Fight Club. Awesome. Now, this is directed by David Fincher. We have done a David Fincher film before as well. We did Seven a little while ago, didn't we? Ah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so obviously I like working with Brad Pitt there. But what what do you remember about the uh, watching this for the first time, Chris? I remember being absolutely blown away because around about the same time I'd gone to the cinema to watch The Sixth Sense. And, you know, spoilers if you've never watched it, it has that twist to it um people will know that if you've seen it and and i remember thinking holy shit you know like at one point in the movie something happens and just turns on a sixpence and i remember loving it and i also remember dave as much as love arnie stallone all the other you know van damme all them amazing bodies i always thought brad pitt had one of the best tv but movie bodies i've seen and one of them bodies you like you bastard he was probably about (laughs) 10 stone piss wet through but he just looked so aesthetically good in this movie, and, and almost like he is in Snatch as well, just got absolutely, especially in this, his abs are just chiseled as anything. Yeah, he's not really considered like this in the same bracket, is he? As as, as I'll say, Stallone because Arnold, Arnold's got much bigger mass, hasn't he? But yeah, you know, he's probably similar frame to Stallone. I, I would have thought, you know, in his Rocky days, but. Yeah, he did. I remember thinking the same, to be honest. <laughs> you know, he just looked amazing, didn't he? And you're like, like you said, you're like, fuck's sake, how, why don't I look like that? <laughs> <laughs> like too many takeaways, I think, Dave. But, exactly. But... <laughs> you sat there watching movies, drinking wine or beer, and uh, it, yeah. I, sh- yeah, I should look that, like that. <laughs> hold it, holding that little spare tire going, what the fuck is the matter with me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it always stuck out for me as just having an amazing physique in this movie. Yeah, and I I remember getting this one on uh, on video, and and you know soon after it had come out, I didn't watch it at the cinema, and similar to you, I didn't know anything about this at all. Um, now, what I didn't realise until researching for this, so in the US, when it was just about to come out, Rosie O'Donnell. I'd, I'd watched it previously, obviously hated it, and basically proceeded to go on air and then spoil what happens, and then basically telling people not to watch the movie. Well, that's a bit of a see you next Tuesday's trick, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's just, there's just no need for that. People should make their own minds up about these things, Dave. That's just, I don't, I don't, that's, you must have got blackballed for that for a while, because that's just poor form, that. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. But I remember, yeah, it had been in Altrincham, so it would have been the Altrincham blockbusters, this one, Chris, and 
yeah, just absolutely blown away by it. Couldn't believe like the, the twist at the end. Had this one, uh, bought it a few years later, got that one on DVD, had a very nice kind of uh, uh, special edition DVD. But you know what? I don't actually think I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've only seen this one once. But I remember, yeah. I remember quite a lot of it, the iconic scenes. But then there's a lot of spaces in between that I just kind of forgot about. Yeah, I think you're on the same page as me. It's like me and Sam, when we first got together, our first ever movie watch. I know we went to Jackie Brown at the cinema. One of the first movies we actually watched was I had True Romance on the old Britannia VHS. And I remember lending it to you know Christian Slater Mm -hmm. and uh, Patricia Arquette. I remember I was in love with her. She was so fit, Patricia Arquette. But it was a Tarantino, James Gandolfino's in it, you know, Tony Soprano. It, it was one of the movies that I've got. And I've bought that on Blu-ray. Special edition, it's still in its cellophane, Dave. Not worth <laughs> yeah. probably anything, but it's just a movie that I've probably watched once. And because I didn't even realise it was James Gandolfino, he was, he was the hitman in it until I was researching stuff because I've, I've literally only just watched the sopranos in the last six months finally you know, one of the best shows i've ever seen but just researching him and everything and, and realizing that so yeah I, I had the same thing i've got a few down there that i've just not even opened once i've watched them so i've gone into this with completely new eyes knew everything and I, I have got a slight disclaimer though dave i have this weird thing where when you have a movie that has such a twist I don't want to watch it again. Yeah. Because I started the sixth sense. I went to the cinema, me and Sam, man. It was the Donnie Wahlberg was the guy at the start, the, the, the druggie and everything. And, and obviously Bruce Willis is in it. And I remember being in the cinema, me and Sam were watching like, this is a great movie. And then you get the twist and you're like, holy shit. And we were absolutely, absolutely loved it, Dave. And that was about 99. Never watched it since. No need yeah. to watch it again because I just, I could watch it and look for the breadcrumbs of that movie and go, oh, ah, yeah, and, and you, you're sort of second-guessing yourself. But I think for me, when something like that happens, I just don't have any interest in watching it. I don't know why because you know how stupid I am for smoking the bandit and all these other daft films that everyone else is like, the fucking shit, this is a masterpiece. It's just in me that once I know and once I've seen it, and I think that's why I've ne- I think I'm with you. I don't think I've ever seen this since. The f- and I, I don't think I saw it at the cinema. Definitely didn't. I probably watched it about a year, maybe 18 months after it come out. Around about 2000, I think I saw it. Yeah, and I don't know if it's... I don't think it's just with you either. Because I'm sure I've mentioned before, Usual Suspects. A bit like Fight Club, a bit like Sixth Sense. You know, there is a massive twist at the end. And, you know, that had a major impact on me. I was thinking about it ages, uh, for ages after, sometimes bringing up in conversation, you know, and, uh, you know, if you're having a laugh, throwing a bit of Kaiser Soze, you know, into a a conversation as just a pop culture reference. But I've never gone back and actually watched it. And it's stupid, really, because... (laughs) You know, you know, the films, like you say, about uh, Smokey and the Bandit and whatever, Endgame, you know, we watched, uh, we were gushing over Captain America Winter Soldier the other week. I know what happens. I remember what happens. So the fact that there's just this massive twist for both of us, it seems to have that effect of like, all right, cool, brilliant, brilliant movie, but I don't actually need to see it again. Yeah. 
And you know what? You've just reminded me of the usual suspects. We'll probably have to do that again. Oh, we say it every week, don't we? When we talk and reminisce, we go, we'll get that on the list. But I'm exactly the same. I bought that, again, a Britannia special, Dave. I'm going to admit <laughs> something here, Dave. I think with, I might have admitted this before. With your 10 free videos, was yeah, it? Yeah, 10, 10 free videos <laughs> and, and uh, CDs. I remember getting the Blur, the Great Escape album and everything, and that really was into Blur and Oasis at the time. But I do remember that at my old house that I grew up in, the neighbours may have done a runner, Dave, a bit of a moonlight flip <laughs> to um, Ireland. Empty house, post, front door was always open into the little days. porch. There may have been a <laughs> Mr. O'Reilly get a load of Britannia <laughs> videos and Fucking CDs. Paddy, Paddy O'Reilly. Yeah. Paddy O'Reilly, the bastard. He's even done that to you, Britannia. It's disgusting. And, uh, yeah, I think I may have acquired the usual suspects by that day. <laughs> and and um, I remember it because I got that train spotting blur. I got about five videos or something like that. It was just a mishmash of stuff. It was fucking nonsense. But, and I think I got what's the story from it as well. It's about 95, 96 or whatever, whatever they were. I remember getting them, but yeah, it's all bad. Anyway, <laughs> you, you know, you know what, Chris, just before we go into our trailer, I'm going to mix up the format a bit because I always say we're a bit crap on the emails, aren't we on this podcast? Cause we, we don't get that many through, but you know, when we do, we, we sort of forget by the time we get to the end of the review, but because you mentioned true romance there, I want to read out this one that we got from Herbie Daniels. And it says, Hi guys, let me firstly say how happy I am to find your podcast recently. I've been smashing through your episodes in the truck. I listened to the Reservoir Dogs episode today. Now, I love Tarantino and his movies at least as much as you guys, but was surprised not to hear you mention True Romance. Now, I know he didn't direct it, but a great screenplay and has to be one of my favorite movies of all time. I would love to hear you do a review of that movie sometime. Keep it up, fellas. Cheers, Herb. So it's just what you mentioned in True Romance. I thought mm. we'll, we'll read that one out now. Um, now, I, I, <laughs> on the theme of movies I've only ever seen once, I've only ever seen True Romance once. And I knew it was Tarantino. I watched it out of order. So I think I watched this out... I, let me think, would have been after Pulp Fiction even. So I'd watch Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and then True Romance. At the time, it honestly just didn't grab me. I know it was a Tarantino screenplay, but there was just something about it that just didn't grab me. You know, a lot of the things with Tarantino that I like is his use of the camera, you know, and, and the atmosphere and the tense situations that he creates on the screen. But, you know, considering it's one that you haven't watched for a while as well, I think we should get that one. Make sure we do that one next, I think, for, the, for our Tarantino one. I think so. Well, and Brad Pitt's in that, Dave, as well. I'm sure he's got dreadlocks in it and stuff in that one. I'm sure Brad Pitt's in True oh, Romance. Hell. Yeah, I, know, I don't know if he's aged very well. Age, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going now. I'm looking at my copy thinking I'm going to have to open that bastard now. I will. <laughs> I'd love to do it. I, I genuinely, I think Herb, and great email, Herb. Thank you for sending that in because all great suggestions for us, Dave. I know we, we absolutely throw each other under the bus with some no- nonsense, but and that is all... And polls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's fucking talk about that. So I I, I genuinely, you know me, I'm, Dave, I always say Dave is my earth rod because you are so prepared. You're so, and, and this is going to be a surprise to absolutely nobody. But as always, I am the man who just rushes in there, instant knee-jerk reaction, and then a couple of minutes later I'll go, 
don't think I should have done that or I should have said that or I just go in fucking full 240 challenge every time. <laughs> and Dave puts a fucking poll up for this podcast, which I was none the wiser on and says, which of these is it, what is it, the best sequel? So Yeah, the so sci-fi, first of all, but yeah. the uh, the theme was sci-fi sequels that were better than the original. Yeah. So Dave puts up, and I don't even know what the other two were, but he puts up The Empire Strikes Back, and as soon as I saw Raph of fucking Khan with William Shatner's fucking absolute mullet wig he's got on, one of the shittiest movies ever with that shit dynasty bad guy. I've seen it once. I hate Star Trek anyway. And I'm like, fuck that, Empire Strikes Back. I want the Comics Emotion fucking account, David. Someone's <laughs> voted on there, haven't they, for fucking Raph of Khan? I, I wonder I who that is. In, in there before looking, you. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at all my other accounts and I'm thinking, he's fucking voted the CD reality cast. That's got fucking Raph of Khan on. Then I, I, like an idiot, go, I'm, not, I'm going to create 20 accounts and vote on him. Everybody fucking jumps on it. It's now fucking landslided the Empire Strikes Back. In nowhere in this world would the Wrath of Khan be in the same conversation as the Empire Strikes Back, but it fucking well is, Dave. So thank you and everyone else out there. Well, there were some classics in there. So Aliens and uh, Mad Max 2 were the other options. Oh, and so it, there, yes. there's, there's a few votes for those as well. So, I mean, the, the fact that I'd put on the poll, let me just see now, um, I think I wrote, and I'll just leave it hanging there, that Chris Phelps hates Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fucking red rag to a bull. Yeah. I'd, already, I'd already gone and replied, and then when we spoke yesterday, you were laughing your head off going, did you not see him put that on the board before? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> so as we speak, because obviously we're recording a little bit ahead, so by the time this comes out, we'll know what the outcome was, but at the moment, Rathakan is at 40 points. Aliens is actually next with 27.8. Absolutely great movie, that one, Chris. We've then got Empire Strikes Back at 25.9 and Mad Max 2 at a lowly 5.6. So still a bit of time, Chris. Still a bit of time to get in there. But you know you're going to love it, aren't you? Because you are going (laughs) to fucking hate that movie. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I've not watched that for about 20 years, and oh, my God. I've said to you before, I didn't mind the odd Monday night watching a bit of the old William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy stuff, you know, like just the odd episode. It was mainly because it was on, I think it was on after The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on BBC Two, and when we were kids, there was fuck all on at that 6 o'clock at night. It was always the news, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was never anything, and even The Simpsons didn't come until sort of like the late, well, the mid to late nineties and Hollyoaks and stuff. So you had something once neighbors and home and away had finished Dave and people go, Oh my God, you watched that. But it's like, there was nothing on telly and I'm not watching the news all the time. So I always liked the, the, the BBC two stuff. And Dave, we had games master as well, actually on channel four. Oh, channel yeah. Like yeah. Remember games master. That's great. That's so good. Patrick Moore. But, um, but yeah, so, so I'm really pleased that Dave and I want to thank everybody <laughs> for voting because, um, the hell that I'm going to have to go through to watch this. I just hope you appreciate this is for our podcast. <laughs> you love it. You're looking forward to it. You know what the outcome's going to be. Now, Chris, should we get into our trailer? <laughs> Let's go. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? Wait, let me start earlier. 
Like many of you, I was stuck. You want me to deprioritize my current reports yeah. until you advise of a status upgrade? Make these your primary action items. I couldn't sleep. No, you can't die from insomnia. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder, what kind of dining set defines me as a person? This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. Welcome! I prayed for a different life. Soap. I make and I sell soap. This is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. Okay. Ow! Hit me in the ear! It was on the tip of everyone's tongue. Can I be next? We just gave it a name. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is... Wow, nice. You do not talk about Fight Club. Is that your blood? Some of it, yeah. After Fight Club, we all started seeing things differently. You're gonna have to keep me up she ruined everything. You're not into her, are you? No. God, not at all. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. He had a plan. <laughs> to what purpose? In Tyler, we trusted. I gotta take a fight club up a notch. Each one of you has a homework assignment. You're gonna start a fight with a total stranger. That's not necessary. You're gonna lose. That hurt. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I'm stopping this. It's already done, so shut up. What kind of sick game are you playing? Oh my god. Where is my mind? Kids. Where is my mind? Where is my mind? This is too much. In the end. Now we start off with the narrator, played by Ed Norton. He's an automobile recall specialist and he's unfulfilled by his job and his possessions and suffers from chronic insomnia. To cure this, well... To cure this, he attends support groups posing as a sufferer of various diseases. His bliss is disturbed when another imposter, Marla Singer, begins attending the same groups. The two agree to split up the groups they attend. On a flight home from a business trip, the narrator meets soap salesman Tyler Durden. The narrator returns home to find his apartment and all his belongings have been destroyed in an explosion. Disheartened by his material loss, he calls Tyler and they meet up in a bar. Tyler tells him he's trapped by consumerism and in the parking lot after, Tyler asks the narrator to hit him and they have a fist fight. Now Chris, what do you make to the opening of this movie? Well... I went into this thinking, you know what? It's going to be not a bad watch. And and Brad Pitt's just class, Dave. I like Ed Norton. I still say Ed Norton's Hulk, as he he ages, incredible. It is better. Mm -hmm. And I I really like um, Mark Ruffalo. I really do. And the the first Avengers film, that was the Hulk for me as well. It was like an extension of the Ed Norton one. It's supposed to be in the same universe. I love his acting. I love his... He's a very awkward actor. I know when he did American History X, completely different guy, beefed up, neo-Nazi, really racist and stuff, and great acting. But in this, he's very much... I can see why he got the uh, Bruce Banner role by playing uh, the narrator in this. Mm-hmm. Very awkward character. Very similar to The Matrix, the star. He's a dead-end job. 
add enough. I know the Matrix, and I watched some of the Matrix last night. Again, I fucking love that movie. But it, it, it's very similar to Mr. Anderson, Keanu Reeves' character. He's just totally pissed off with his life, just like, oh, what am I doing? Goes on these trips, house blows up great. I just, you know what, Dave? I, I messaged you, didn't I? And I said, it's fucking shit. I really did not like it on this rewatch at all. I think it, I just think it's dead dull. The stuff with Meatloaf and them false fucking tits, like he's a <laughs> professional bodybuilder, and he's supposed to have like got his estrogen levels up and that. Because if you take steroids and you cycle on and off of them, when you've come off steroids, you've got to take estrogen blockers because you do end up with women's boobs. That's why when someone comes off steroids, if they stop training, pretty much they do end up with like moobs and stuff, Dave. You know, I don't know my mm-hmm. excuses now. I've got them as it is. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but but that that is a common factor of taking steroids. But the exaggeration in his character and watching it now, how ridiculous it looks. I, I, I still don't understand that fucking choice in the movie. I really don't. So I just, I, I'm cards on the table this time. Other than, I think Brad Pitt's brilliant in it. I really do. I think Brad Pitt is excellent. I can't see, you know what, Dev, I'll be honest with you. I know she's Bellatrix in Harry Potter, and I love the Harry Potter films. I really do. I'm not a big fan of Helena Bonham, uh, Bonham Carter. She's always pops up in the fucking Johnny Depp movies, uh, Lone mm. Ranger the other week. I just don't rate her as an actress at all. I just, I, I don't know what it is about, but she just pisses me off. And when she's in this, I'm like, oh, fucking, this is going to be a pain. So, so I, I can't put my finger on it, but I do think Brad Pitt and Ed Norton are class in it. But I just, I, as a spectacle as a movie, I think it's really slow, really dull, and yeah, just just shit basically at the start. I just did not like it. Honestly, I have no idea which movie you were watching. I <laughs> thought it was brilliant. So, and and I think to set the context as well. So I did um, a wanted book review with Tony on uh, Indie Comic Spotlight a few weeks ago. That's probably months ago now, but. Um, so, written by Mark Millar, and then the movie, remember we covered it on comics, I think? Um, yep. So, with James McAvoy, um, Chris Pratt was in it as well, wasn't he? But you had uh, Morgan Freeman in there and everything. And actually, the the opening with the narrator reminded me quite a lot of that. So, you know, the fact that you've got the narrator and he's in this kind of corporate job. I mean, his job is, you know, he's an automobile recall specialist, but he could be doing anything, any kind of white collar job. And that's what Wesley was doing in Wanted. And he was just very unsatisfied in his life. And I, I just thought it was interesting because Wanted came out, you know, 2008, so, so nine years after this one. And obviously, Mark Millar wrote the book, and I thought I did wonder to myself because at the very start of the book, it, it is quite similar to the film, and then after about a chapter, you know, it, it diverges massively. But I, I just thought, you know, feeling trapped in that world where he's basically not satisfied by anything, um, he's got this insomnia. It's a weird coping strategy, I must admit, where he's going to these different support groups. Um, I found the meatloaf thing juvenilely funny <laughs> you know, because they were massive. Um, like you say, you know, there was a bit of a backstory, but then it's it's just exaggerated, isn't it? Um, now apparently they they filled oh what was it they filled up this stuff up with? Um, so basically, uh, they filled his fat suit up with birdseed. 
so that it actually hung down. So basically, this his fat suit plus all of the seed apparently weighed over over a hundred pounds. Oh my god! Now walking around with that—that's a workout in itself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and he was. Um, you can see he'd lost a lot of weight here, Meatloaf, there, because he was a big guy, wasn't he, late 70s, 80s. And you can clearly see as he's got older, he has shifted it. So, so yeah, look, it is what it is. I just I just found it really difficult to watch in parts. And I don't know why. I honestly don't know why, because I think Brad Pitt's great, isn't it? Yeah. Well, another thing I'll tell you, so, you know this one's based on a book? Oh, is it? Yeah, so um, so it was based on a book, and it only came out in, oh, what was it, 1996? So basically, he's written the novel, come out in 96, and then you've got a film in 99. That is a big, big turnaround, that. So, uh, you know, they don't usually turn them around quite that quickly, but uh, yeah, it was, it was optioned by Fox 2000 Pictures. So uh, now the guy who wrote it, Chuck Palahniuk, I think. Um, it's easy for me to say, right? He came up with the idea. He he got beat up on a camping trip. So basically, he asked some nearby campers uh, for to turn down the radio, and uh, they beat him up. But when he got back to work, no one mentioned anything he walked in he was all beat up and stuff and they were just coming up with mundane things like how was your weekend you know he's thinking (laughs) these people do not give a fucking shit about me no one's like god what's happened to you you know you know are you all right nothing like that just how was your weekend and the fuck do you think my weekend was? Look at me. <laughs> you know, so apparently he was taking this and like, you know, running with that whole idea of just being trapped in this kind of job where you don't give a fuck about anyone else. They don't give a fuck about you. Obviously carrying the injuries into work, that's kind of played out in this movie as well. So no, I, honestly, I, I was more into it because you're inside Jack's head, aren't you? Yeah. Dum, dum. I, I, see, I like this when you when you counter-argue with me, Dave, and, and give me the perspective that I probably should have been watching it in. I, I, I can't disagree with you. And I think the fact that when I watch it the second time, you can clearly see that there's something not right with, with the narrator in this movie. But, mm. but when you watch it, when I watched it for the first time, I did not see it. I just saw it as someone who is not coping with life and genuinely, he's just like on the edge, had enough of his boss, you know, completely fucked over. The boss is a dick, you know, and and obviously then he meets Brad Pitt's character because it's when he's in the airport and he first meets Tyler and then Tyler steals a fucking car and just does a, this this runner. But when, when I'd seen it the first time, I was like, oh, fucking hell, it's a bit weird. But there's no repercussion for it or anything and he drives off and that's, it's obviously why now. When I, the more I watched it and knowing what was coming, I'm like, Oh shit! It's so obvious, but it's not if you've never seen it before. So that's great storytelling in itself. I just think it, it like I say, because I didn't really fancy ever watching it again. It lost some of its charm. I think slightly. Yeah, yeah. I, and you know what, Chris? I, I think I've fallen into a trap there because his name's not Jack, is it? He, he keeps referring to you know I am Jack's whatever, but yes. his name's not actually Jack. It's it, it's from. Um, something else 
I can't quite remember what, but uh, yeah, I, I always thought his name was Jack, and it was only you know reading into it, it's like, oh no, he's he's the narrator. So no, I think I I don't know, I I don't know if it's one where you've gone into it, and because you know it's got this big finish at the end, you're not really interested in the build up. Yeah, you could be right. It could just be me just being a bit of a fucking soft ass, like, oh, fucking hell, I've got to go. I, I, I wasn't clock watching or anything. I was hoping I'd really enjoy it again, but it just seemed a bit, it just plodded along. And what what was interesting is, and I, and I want your opinion on this. So, you know, like when they create the fight club mm-hmm. and he's fighting different people, are they actually fighting people or all the people in the group just fighting with their like sort of schizophrenic alter ego? Are they real fights? I, no, I couldn't I th- work that out. I think it's real, mainly because of, of the end when he's kind of struggling with, you know, himself and Tyler. You know, he right. basically has to take drastic action. We'll get to that bit in a bit. But, no, I think he's, like, the narrator is real, or he is he is Tyler, you know. So I think those other people are real. You know, and basically the real life person who everyone else can see is Ed Norton's body, but it's Tyler Durton's actions. Yes. So right. so the fight club right. was real. They they did create this kind of uh cult, this these revolutionaries, pretty much. Um so yeah, I I do think that's all real. But I mean it's a little bit like uh, American Psycho, isn't it? I think it's yes. a little bit open to debate and open to your own interpretation. Yeah, that, that's true. That American Psycho, that's a great film. Christian Bale, oh, no. yeah. Patrick Bateman, fuck me. Again, though, you're right, Dave. It, it, it worked. By the end of it, you don't know which way you want to turn. It, and like you say, you end up with your own conclusion, don't you? And I'll tell you what's quite interesting is this is set in New York as well, isn't it? And like you're watching it and I, I won't, I know I'm jumping too far actually about the end, but um, it's interesting how dark and dingy it does have that seven feel about it, Dave. And you said, David Fincher, it's very dark and yeah. dingy. And, and I, I watched them um, funny enough. I watched a podcast. Uh, I didn't watch a pod. How can you watch a podcast? Dave? <laughs> that fucking idiot. I was in the gym this morning and I was list, uh, listening while I had on a YouTube video of a guy who I follow. So when we went to New York at Christmas, I had this guy on. He's really good. Does loads of touring around New York. He lived in Manhattan. He's moved out to Brooklyn. Great guy. He does a lot of the eateries, you know, like the dollar slice pizzas and all that. And, just meets different people from different cultures and just has like a 10-minute chat while they walk around and eat food. And, and and one of the guys said something which I thought was quite interesting because they knew we were reviewing this was, and he's an Italian-American and they went to Little Italy and, and they're having these pizzas and, and spaghetti. And like, There's nobody here. They said it's just absolutely dead because of the, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And he said, he goes, and this guy only looked, Dave, he looked about 30. And he went, What's interesting is, though, he goes, we've gone back to the grittiness of New York. Hmm. And this John who does the, the, the channel says, what do you mean? He went, well, it's gone back to, like, people stood on corners selling comic books, people selling stuff now because nobody's making money. There's no, They all say the hustle, don't they, in America? You see hmm. them all the time in Vegas, New York. They fucking then black CDs and everything, and people, like, just selling you shit and trying to, like, scam you. And he said, and it's gone back to that 
grimy part of New York. He said, I have respect because I've lived on these corners for years, but there's a big turn now that the whole world has spun on its head. And, and I'm wondering whether in the future we're going to get films similar to, um, not similar to this, Fight Club, but, but the tone of it, the darkness of New York comes back out sort of thing because it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I know that's probably got nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I just found that it was a slight correlation because Seven was never said is New York, was it? But it was New York. It's just that they never actually said it. Well, it's kind of a mishmash of like New York slash Chicago. LA, I but think. But then yeah. it's next to the desert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Vegas and that, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, I, I was just looking actually. So um, the director of photography was a guy called Jeff Cronenwealth. Weth. Um, but they did use this re-silvering which is what they did in seven, you know, to, ah, to basically right. give you that, that look. So even though Fincher wasn't his, the person with his hands directly on it. So he was obviously, you know, quite happy with what he'd done with seven. And especially when they move into the house, you know, uh, it's, I mean, it's a gritty grim house, isn't it? You know, but everything looks dank and dour, um, you know, and pretty <sighs> grim, doesn't it? It doesn't. And you know, you, and you're right. Brad Pitt, though, Dave, fuck me. You've never been a more photogenic actor. Yeah. That hair, the fucking shades, even when he shaves his hair later on, he's one sexy fucking guy. And, I, you know what I mean? He's so fucking uh, top on the screen. It's no wonder the women fucking love him. And I know he's aged <laughs> with a fine wine. He's probably late 20s when he did this, but... He's just no, I think he's, so... he's about mid thirties, but I mean, he does. Oh. He is a specimen, isn't he? And he's got that proper oh, like triangle shape. Like he's got these big, broad shoulders, big, muscly shoulders, great arms. You know, good solid back. Yeah, <laughs> good solid back. He, he is. A, he is a specimen. <laughs> no, you know, I love like that. that I love v, it. Like that V yeah, sort v, of shape. The tapered V. Yeah, yeah. you're right, Dave. He, he's so photogenic in this, and and like. When you watch it now, everything's so dark, but he's got like red fucking tank tops on, fucking shades, all everything on Brad Pitt's outfit is so meticulous. The cinematography is brilliant, and the way they dressed him up and everything, he stands out like a sore thumb, doesn't he? It's like when you watch the Matrix and they go, and one of the tests is you were looking at the person in the white suit and everyone else has got black on, you know, and all that sort of mm. thing. He, he literally stands out this time watching it. So I'll, I'll give him that. But I'll tell you what was quite funny was when the narrator's talking about Tyler being the guy who puts videos together and he's doing pornos and that, and he, and he cuts them and all that. And then he says he always puts like a dick in the video. Oh, yeah, and yeah. it shows the kids at the cinema with the mum and these a fucking dick must come on some kid's film. <laughs> literally for a split second. But I, I clocked it at the end. Did you see that at the end for literally yeah, yeah, a millisecond? Yeah. I'd never noticed that, but I did like that. Like I say, the more we're talking about it, there was some good bits in there and that really sort of tickled me that because I was like, you know what? There's probably loads of things in movies is that we wouldn't even spot, but yeah, I think I think the way Ed Norton narrates him and Tyler is such a deception for the for the audience. That's that's one of the things with this movie that you've got to give it credit for. This proper deception there, and that's what, I think that's what why I was a bit disappointed because I didn't have that oh my god moment. So it's probably me just being a bellend, but it, it just feels off. But however, them two stand out a mile in this film. They're head and shoulders above everyone. Yeah, and and I don't 
No, I mean, I, I was watching it this time with like the hindsight of knowing what the twist is. And I don't know anyone who was watching that for the first time in 1999 who would have spotted that coming. Now, if you were to watch a similar movie now and you had this kind of back and forth between, you know, two two leads, you'd be thinking Fight Club. You know, this could be a Fight Club type thing. And I'm sure yeah. even on this podcast, I might have mentioned it with, with certain things, you know. Uh, uh, I'm sure I mentioned it with Ferris Bueller. You know, the the Ferris's best mate, you know, is is Ferris actually just a figment of his imagination? Because if you deconstruct the story, it all sort of doesn't, it, it could lend itself to a Fight Club type uh, narrative. But I I really enjoyed it. And what I'd kind of forgotten was the um, the way they built up this cult. They basically radicalized all these people who were part of Fight Club, but who were, you know, ready to take down the establishment as well. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we've seen that, haven't we, Dave? This is obviously one of the original ones for it, but we've seen this sort of thing afterwards. And we did see it when we reviewed, um, oh, God, what was it called? Uh, FIFA Vendetta. Yeah. You know, like yeah, an anti-establishment. Yeah. I know that was a Guy Fawkes, and I, you know I really enjoyed that. You know I enjoyed that, uh, surprisingly, I did. But it has that feel about it. And, and some of the content watching this is very apt for the world we live in, Dave. Especially now, the phones weren't obviously present in this movie, but you've got the mobile phones, the computers, you've you've got this whole like world is is led by adverts and marketing and stuff like that. And I know that's pretty much the world's always been about that, you know, product placements, things like that. It's interesting how it evolves from a fight club to then becoming sort of um, in inner city terrorism yeah. on a grand scale. It, that that is interesting. That, that is interesting. It, it's. You know, it is very, very good and very um, – because we, we have it at work. Like, we're an advertising company. I do all the maintenance for them, but on our side of all the guys. But we have loads of what's called brandalism, where all of a sudden you, you'll you'll have an advertisement, and the next day they'll, they'll have, like, proper stuff about, you know, animal rights. And someone's gone in and just terrorized all our stuff, Dave, and got our special keys and equipment. Where from, I don't know, and just changed everything. You know, and, and we had it one day. We went to one bus shelter and it was a full football pitch had been put down. It was turf, either end of the bus shelter with, with proper markings like a pitch with two goals, something. I don't know what it was supposed to symbolise. They put it all over the shelter. They put pictures up of the crowd. One of the guys took all the football pitch and put it in his van as the fucking six-yard box. They even used to use it, but they did. We've seen that loads of times, so I can relate to what they're doing because I see the um, aftermath, like when the Manchester riots were on a few years ago and that lad had, I think a, a guy got killed in police custody and everywhere, there was all the riots around the country, weren't there? And then there was yeah. the ones in Manchester and we had to go around Salford the next day and just try and pick up the pieces of fucking, oh, it was just decimated. They wrecked every bus shelter, every shop was smashed in. It was just like, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen any, I mean, nothing surprises you this last year, but at the time, that's about 10 years ago, I was like, jaw on the floor and and watching this unfold in this movie and i know this is on a bigger scale you're like it's so easily done look how, how yeah. easy we've all you know people losing the jobs and things like that has happened in this last year it's so easily done yeah yeah i mean i, I still think back to must have been about 
2012, 2013-ish. When do you remember when there was the riots all the, all across the country? That's it? them, yeah, yeah. That was it, yeah. Was that the one that you yeah, mean? That's yeah, the one. That's yeah, what yeah. I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the lad had got killed in police custody. But I'm sure it was. That might have been the initial trigger, but there was a point where all the the kind of youth realised that actually, you know what? If we all just go out and start creating chaos everywhere, vandalising shit, actually the police can't do anything. Yes. And yeah, and so, because I, I, I remember, I was down in uh, Brentford. I was, I was in a hotel bar, and um, there was no actual violence or anything in that centre, but I remember a bunch of kids, a bunch of little yobbos, walking past the, there was a big old... Um, uh, there was no wall on the outside of the bar. It was just windows, so you could you could see right outside. And you're like, hi, hi what's going to go on here? You know, <laughs> are yeah. they just going to come? Are they just going to come in and start smashing the place up? Like, so um, yeah, it is weird. You you have that thin veneer of society, don't you? And, and I've heard that term. You know, we're we're policed by consent. If every single person just decided, you know, they'd had enough and, you know, went out rioting and stuff, you you would, yeah, there's just not nearly enough police that would be able to deal with everyone. So, yeah, I, I did. I think even more than the Fight Club, I found that bit of it quite interesting in the story. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree, Dave. Look, we're both football fans. Imagine going to Old Trafford or Anfield when we can finally get back there and... Everyone just goes, fuck that. Let's get on the pitch. Five or six fucking stewards in front of you are not going to stop <laughs> fucking thousands of people. No police. Yeah, There's not yeah, police. Yeah. There's probably one policeman per a thousand people or something like that. It's just not enough. But people are nice. You know, we're all brought up the right way. We all have uh, an understanding of, like you say, you, you are uh, trained and brainwashed a certain way, which isn't a bad thing. But we all have that thing, don't we? The fear of being arrested and all that. So that's what stops you going fucking crazy. You yeah, know, even yeah. even if your team's getting beat, Dave, you know what I mean? I've seen plenty of defeats at Old Trafford when I'm fucking <laughs> going mental. So, and I'm sure you have at Anfield. So, so it does happen, but you're right. You're totally right. And I think that's what tips this on the knife edge all the time. I, I don't, I think a lot of it's far-fetched the way they can just, they're going into things and people are just blatantly ignoring what they're doing. You know, like the, yeah. the video shop, they go in the fucking video shop and just absolutely daisy chain out, out the window of the video shop to blow it up. And nobody says a fucking word. What are all these guys just walking around? What are they doing? Nobody. And there was cameras then. There's loads of little leaps in this that don't make sense. However, it makes for a spectacular end, I think. Yeah, but I think it, it's interesting that almost the Fight Club, it it was just like a gateway drug to radicalization, wasn't it? You know, and if you think about how these cults operate, they don't just, you know, go to the batshit crazy stuff from day one. They start you off with something, you know, a bit lower down the ladder, and then it builds up and builds up from there. And so, yeah, I, I, I just thought that was interesting. The way I thought it was clever, the way they brought people in there and and did radicalize everyone. Now, I tell you what, I didn't remember Chris. I didn't remember Jared Leto being in this movie. 
No, I don't. I mean, he's about 50. He looks so young, doesn't he? But yeah, yeah. the, the blonde-haired guy, isn't he? Old angel face there. Took, I mean, that's where things start to go a bit wrong, isn't it? You know, because he starts to get a little bit jealous that angel face and Tyler Durden are, are spending quite a lot of time with each other. And it's, it's almost... The narrator almost gets jealous and then beats the living shit out of him, doesn't he? Oh, he fucks him up big time. I thought he was dead. I honestly thought he was yeah. dead. I thought that's why there was the the pause. And you see Tyler, Brad Pitt, go off, don't you? He looks like he's going to stop it and he disappears. Because we've already seen when the fight club started, these mafia guys come and kick the shit out of Brad Pitt. Um, oh, yeah, because of the building yeah. and all that. I'll tell you one bit of the film, which is such foreshadowing for the end. is How fucking good is that? I'll give one scene that I thought was brilliant, though, Dave is when he beats himself up for his boss, when his oh, boss is yeah. going to sack him. And that's like revealing, because I'm thinking, is he fighting Tyler here? Or is he, Is he? you know what I mean? I couldn't. We never shown it. They never did anything. But the way he was throwing himself on the table yeah. and everything, and, I was like, and that guy, the fucking security walk in as he's got blood on his hands, the fucking <laughs> boss has done nothing. <laughs> I, I know, uh, I, I've got a story about that, actually, Dave. Very Just similar saying, to what well, he says. He says something when, when they walk in, he's like, Please don't hit me again, or something like that. Yeah. You know, and the boss is just stood there like, fuck, I am screwed now. So, yeah, I agree. That that scene was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was. It was so good. And just going back, there's a friend of mine, Dave. I was having a bust up with his girlfriend, and she was screaming blue murder that he was he was basically putting his hands on her, you know what I mean? Being physical. And but what he didn't she didn't realize was one of my friend's girlfriends was stood at the door the whole argument, and my friend was nowhere near her, Dave. She was on the other side of the room slapping herself. Mm. So um, mm, I'm not going to say any more on that, but I've seen, you know, I've, you know, I wasn't there, but I've seen this sort of thing happen before with people. It's a very fine line. And the fact they use it in a movie, fucking hell, that was very yeah. clever, very clever. I, d- I mean, it does. It definitely does happen. I mean, it's in a few things on, like, YouTube. Usually people in a fucking kebab shop or something, you know, like just screaming blue murder. And luckily, you know, all this stuff's on camera. But um, <sighs> what about the ones with the, the, sorry, David, the ones where people have got dash cams and the guys just walk over and just like dive on the bonnets and fall on the floor. And they're like, you've just think I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sue you. I want paying off. And then they're like, got a dash cam and they fuck off. I've seen that loads yeah. of times. It's so bad. What, what was the guy from fucking Rotherham or something? Ronnie Pickering. Ronnie Pickering. Pickering. Oh, Ronnie, Ronnie Pickering. Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ronnie Pickering. Ronnie Pickering. <laughs> the best one of them is that guy who's fucking having a pop at the cyclist. Now, look, I used to cycle every day to work. Cyclists are one because I was one myself, jumping red lights. I used to do all of it day, weaving in and out of traffic. Not a fast cyclist, but I was a dick. So I can't say anything. I know cyclists are bellends. And you get these cyclists with cameras on, don't you, and all that. And they're yeah. fucking causing shit. I see them in London all the time. Just someone goes too far over on a cycle lane and he can get past, but they stop and start having a fucking Barney with him, don't they? And it all kicks off. Have you seen that one where it's the, it's the actual guy in the car? He's in like a Peugeot. He's a bloke in his fifties, and he starts arguing with the cyclist, saying he's a you know kicking off with him. And every time the cyclist is pushing him and pushing him, and they keep moving up the street, and eventually the fucking bloke gets out the car and he's got shit flickers on. Dave, have you ever seen it where he goes flying? 
Oh my god, it's, uh, it's it's half ringing a bell, but I can't picture it. I'll have no, to I've... send the uh, so fucking funny. But again, that's <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have seen. I've seen so many now, you know, like over the years. Because Ronnie Pickering, that was years ago now, wasn't it? And you see loads oh, of them. Amazing, fucking amazing. Dave. Well, Dave, we've got WhatsApp groups. We've seen loads. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's move on, Dave. Anyway. So anyway. Um, <laughs> So yeah, things do start to turn nasty though, don't or, or start to unravel basically yeah. when Meatloaf, you know, gets killed on one of these bodge sabotage missions, so Paulson, and he starts to follow the paper trail of all these different cities that Tyler's visited, and you know, he he's learning a bit about Project Mayhem, and um, you know, he, he calls Marla which, uh, you know, it comes out that it's actually been him that's been sleeping with her. So, you know, that's when, you know, it all kind of turns to shit, really, and and then it becomes obvious, you know, and I don't know, there wasn't one moment, I don't think. You know, it it sort of unravels, and I I think the Watchers will probably have, have got it at the same, at, at slightly different places, because watching it this time, as soon as he starts to question it, you know, I, I think you're on it. But I, I don't know. I, it just felt to me like there was a couple of minutes where he's just unraveling it and he's going through all these plane tickets and everything. But when he actually confronts Tyler and, you know, Brad Pitt, he's got the old shaved head, hasn't he? Still looks fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> it still matter. looks slick. <laughs> but, um, you know, and he, he he's basically can't get the upper hand there. Chris, the one bit of this movie that I didn't like back then when I first watched it, and I didn't like now, is that he decides the only way to get rid of Tyler Durden is putting a bullet in his head. Yeah. And so he pulls the trigger, and I remember, you know, when I was watching this for the first time, I'm thinking, oh, shit, fucking hell, he's dead, you know, but he's saved everyone and, you know, whatever. But then he just gets up. Like, he's just got a minor inconvenience. You know, he's just sort of chipped his tooth or something. It's like, what the fuck's happened there? Yeah. I, I, you know what, Dave? I'm so glad you brought that up. I couldn't wear that because he slumps like he's killed himself, doesn't he? Bullet through the mouth, he's dead. And he sort of comes out of his cheek, doesn't it? But it does kill Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is like back of his head. He's dead, isn't he? He's gone yeah. the floor for that scene. And obviously, next minute, all like he's henchmen come in and Marla comes in because he's already told her to go and then they, they've sort of kidnapped her again. And, and yeah, I couldn't work that out. They're like, you've been shot. And he was passing it off, like you say, like he chipped a tooth or he'd, he'd got a bit of a, you know, a, a cauliflower ear or something like that. It's a, that I couldn't work out what had happened at that point in the movie because then I'm thinking, is he dreaming? Is he actually dead now? It, you know, even seeing it again, I'd forgotten about that. It's a very bizarre sequence that which leads to the basically the final scene of the movie yeah i mean i think they the story's telling us that he's shot himself through the cheek but the angle of the gun was pointing to the to his skull but but even if chris if you unload a firearm in your mouth (laughs) i don't fucking care if you're aiming for your cheek that is going to do a lot more damage than just the little inconvenience that the narrator got there. Dave, of course it is. Your tooth are gone. Your fucking jaw's probably shattered. 
unless it's just like the side of your cheek, the, and, and it's the velocity of it as well, and you'd probably be deaf because they say it, it bleeds your eardrums, doesn't it? It can burst your eardrums and everything. Bizarre. And, and what I was getting at the start, which which was so fucking eerie, was I, you know, with, a couple of years after this 9-11 happens, Dave, and I am mm. not a massive conspiracy theorist, but... And fucking buildings came down around them, and I'm like, oh, God, you know, like they wouldn't have done that if it was after 2001. Oh, no, uh, not a chance. Not a chance. So so it's, a, it's an interesting ending, very Guy Fawkes in its ending, where he holds a hand and realises that, you know, he's, he realised he's Tyler just before then, as you said, and she holds her hand and all these buildings just fucking destroyed. It's about six or seven buildings just go, and then all the electrics goes up around New York. So, mm-hmm. so very eerie, and, uh, yeah. It, 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 you couldn't have ended it any other way, I don't think, than that. I, I just don't. I don't know how you could have. You couldn't have expanded the story. I don't think you could have done anything. I think it should have just ended with them both being dead. That would have made perfect sense. Yeah, I think so. I, I think if if he had a blown, you know, the back of his brain out, uh, kill both of them. But they kind of get this bit of a happy ending, don't don't they? So he's there with Marla. She she's managed to find them. Um, they see all the buildings going down. I mean, what what they were trying to do was blow up all the credit card companies. So basically, level you know, get rid of all the debt and level everyone. So rather than everyone being tied up in all this credit card debt and whatever. And interestingly, I, I do think this is a massive influence for Mr. Robot. I don't know if you've watched that at all. It's a, it's a series on, uh, I was watching it on Amazon Prime a while ago. So it's got Rami Malek in it. Uh, yeah, I've seen the pictures. I've never watched it. Yeah, and it's got, actually, it's got Christian Slater. We were talking about him in True Romance. It's got him in it as well. And, you know, part of his old shtick is that he wants to, uh, you know, get rid of all the debt, uh, you know, in the world. All your savings as well, but basically to level everyone. And uh, it's interesting, similar sort of idea. You know, it is absolutely terrorism. But then you think, well, Kind of, you get you get these people. Like it's say Donald Trump, Chris. You know this self-made businessman who, of course, wasn't self-made at all because he was just born into it. So you know, you you wouldn't have people like that. You wouldn't have people kind of uh, on the breadline and just on or on the hamster wheel. You know, uh, just failing to make enough to live. So yeah, very interesting, very interesting ending and. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd kind of forgot that you know the buildings were going up. To be honest, but like yourself, um, like you say, a couple of years before nine eleven, there's no way this is a point in time. This is the only time they could have made that movie because it, it just wouldn't have got made now, or, or no, they'd have no. they'd have done a different ending. Yes, I agree. Maybe when just shot himself, the end. Marla walks in. And that's it. That because yeah. he's not a redeeming character for what he's done, but he seems he survived. Exactly. But he gets his happy ending. You know, he gets no yeah. fucking comeuppance whatsoever. So I think maybe I mean they could have probably just you know uh, averted Project Mayhem, couldn't they? You know, they could just sort of cut out that bit and could have changed it that way. But um, mm. very good, Chris. Should we get into our final review? Let's go.
Now, Chris, I'm dying to know where you're going to put this one. So <laughs> if you would, please, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, like I say, I think, I think there's some good set pieces in this. Brad Pitt, Ed Norton stand out. It's, I didn't enjoy it. And I say I thought it was pretty shit in parts. I really did. However, there is a few bits, and especially as we're talking about it, I swayed me slightly. I say the scene when he beats himself up in front of his boss, fucking brilliant, that. that That is just ridiculous, Dave. But that sort of thing does go on, and the boss gets caught bang to rights. Brad Pitt is just so enigmatic in this. He, the, he's just everything you want in a lead man. He's got the body, the looks. Maybe a bit of a man crush going on for myself, Dave. I, I, I think I've gushed over him a lot today, but... I think it's the way they use the colours and his outfits. He stands head and shoulders above everyone else, the hair, everything. He's just like an absolute caricature of a leading man, really. He just absolutely just takes the piss. And poor Ed Norton's just like the the, the sort of filling substitute that um, is just like a bit part, really, at times when Brad Pitt's on. I think Brad Pitt steals it every single time as Tyler. But again, Ed Norton, great acting. I, I do think this is the main reason he got the Hulk part many years later. Very, very good. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm going to send it to Elm Street, Dave. Elm Street, top end of Elm Street, I think. It's it's still watchable. I just think it lost some of its charm knowing what was going on. And did a, maybe I come into it with the wrong attitude. I don't know. Um, I think Clock Watch, it's definitely something you can think about. Yeah, it wasn't. I probably won't watch it again. But yeah, interesting that we've reviewed it, Dave. And it's no fucking wrath of Khan. So let, let's just get that right out there. <laughs> let's just get that right out Khan. there. So, uh, <laughs> what? What about yourself? <laughs> so interestingly, you know, we're saying I think we've both got a bit of a man crush on uh, Brad Pitt. In fact, Chris, Brad Pitt or Jean-Claude Van Damme? If it's Van Damme in them fucking tight pants and blood sport days Bloodsport. all day long, all day <laughs> you long, <know>. Dave. <laughs> you know, in my mind's eye was that precise scene. I, yeah, I, I'm no. not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> We need to have a chat. Mate. I don't know. It's close. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely, you've got definitely to... that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Probably got to give it to Van Dam just just for the moves as well. Not not just the tighty whities but um, yeah. no. Interestingly, so so Brad Pitt wasn't interested in making this movie at all. So Fincher had to had to convince him over a beer. So um, I, I definitely think the the film for me is elevated with Brad Pitt in it, but I think Ed Norton is absolutely brilliant in his role as well. A bit like yourself, I'm not a massive fan of Helena Bonham Carter, and I just think I, I, I prefer her in these magical, you know, Johnny Depp slash Tim Burton type environments. So I, I, she felt a bit off in this role here, even though kind of you know she. She's playing that kind of junkie type character, so I suppose she could, you know, fit in. But I don't know. It felt slightly miscast to me. But I thought this was still an absolute solid movie. I thought the whole, f- the build up to the Fight Club, the insomnia, the clues were there. But you know, absolutely iconic movie, and and you know, still lives on in in people's kind of memories definitely pop culture now i'm not sure how quickly i would watch this again because it is ultimately you know quite fucking depressing to be quite honest but i think this is still a really really strong movie i've deliberated i'm i'm not quite gonna send it to cloud city 
But I think it it's close. I, I was definitely having a mental debate about whether I wanted to do that. So I'm going to send this to Pleasantville. But for me, it, it was still quite a strong Pleasantville. I think this is still a really solid movie. Oh, that's good stuff, Dave. And hey, at the end of the day, it's no king of the kickboxes, Dave. I scored that higher than this, but there you go. Anyway, it's no Billy oh, Blanks, my is it? <laughs> my fucking reviewing scores is just ridiculous. There's no, you, you couldn't, you always say, you can't even predict what the hell I'm going to put for these things, Dave. But uh, anyway. <laughs> now, Chris, we haven't actually got a review. Oh, yeah, we have. <laughs> we do, Dave. <laughs> You've got to be, you know me and you, we are so transparent with these sort of things. So, Dave, is it a five out of five review? It is not. It is not, Chris. It is a one out of five. So, subject <laughs> is not my cup of tea. And it says, I've listened to three episodes now, and the complete lack of research or knowledge of film is too grating to endure. What say that to you, Chris? <laughs> He's fucking right. I'm not fucking researching some of our movies, Dave, until, you know, what, what is the point of me researching fucking Willow? It's a fantasy load of shit. Fucking Wrath of Khan. The only thing I'm going to be researching is William Shatner's fucking <laughs> syrups, Dave. I'm not interested in that. I, I'll watch it and, and review it off that. We're not professionals. I respect that. I understand it, but I am not fucking researching stuff. I'll put Wikipedia, maybe have a little 10 minute troll before, and, and, and sometimes it takes you down a rabbit hole, but it's we, we, this is us, isn't it? And I, I respect that. We're not everyone's cup of tea. I totally get it. Dave, I got called out on the reality one dinner for talking about my missus and my big nose. <laughs> <laughs> remember, you took great pleasure in that. So it, it, it just. You're not always going to be everyone's finger, but I just love that. I love when we get the shit ones because it's usually one of us getting some. Well, it's usually me getting the aggro, but there has been <laughs> one recently what where you've I, got some day. I, I can't remember now. I don't know, but I took great pleasure. I know. About Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's always about me and my big gob usually. So See, I, quite I good. can normally have a laugh about these, and this one is funny. So we did have a laugh about this one, but you know, I, I just for this one, he's obviously listening to the wrong thing, and. I, I, I don't really accept that one because I don't. I think he's just expecting something else, and I'm not taking that <laughs> from some jumped-up fucking film student who works at McDonald's. <laughs> Maybe he's listened to Eat My Dust, Dave. Oh, please re-review. Give Dave some aggro for this, whoever you are. That'd be amazing. No, no. no but you know this. You're right. You're right. I, you I agree. This fucking is arguing about the uh, benefits and the influence of Hungarian cinema that it has on Western society. (laughs) 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 Yes, 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 yes. Very good, very good. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're well gone there. Honestly, most of the time I can take it, you know, not very good or whatever. It's just, uh, you know, this guy's used his real name, so I know who he is. (laughs) (laughs) And he's going to find you as well by the sounds of it. (laughs) No, no, it's someone with two fucking shit YouTube videos who's clearly filmed it on his phone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what i watched david and you know <laughs> i saw a guy right on youtube and one of my little rabbit holes and it was some guy who was like some oh, he was like some film student or something along them lines 
And he created these videos in lockdown. You know, oh, sorry, he's from TikTok, I think. And then he'd gone on YouTube as well. He's wearing like a smoking jacket and pajamas walking around the market, Dave. But he thinks it's funny. And I know everything's subjective. Humor is sub- everyone. Someone might find it LA. I was watching it like, what the fuck are you doing? He's got about 30 views for each video. And he's like, come on. And I've got no problem with people having a go. I do it my vlogging stuff. Some people like it. Some people hate me. I hate my accent or whatever. I get that. You put yourself out there, you're open to ridicule and people not liking you. That's just the way it is. It's how thick your skin is sometimes. We, we know that with the podcast, don't we, Dave? That's that. When you when you are out there in, in the wild on any sort of platform, you're going to get people who don't like you. And I've got no problem with that. But I was watching this thing and I'm like, this isn't even funny. I, I, I don't know what he's, he's going for. He just reminds me of this guy who's reviewed us, Dave. That sort of, you know, <laughs> you fucking, well, he's slagging everyone else off, but his own content's not very good. But we've probably spent too much time talking about this because we're not supposed to be outraged, but I agree. So, <laughs> I, I actually, you know, my favourite one from the reality cast, I still remember it now, was from some woman who, who said, these guys know nothing about women. <laughs> thought, that is my favourite of all time. So I, I kind of like those ones, but yeah, I, I just don't. You know what? I think I've been just pissing off film students because I, I joined Reddit this week, and I, I went on. I think I went on One Division or something like that, and someone put something about Quicksilver, and I put, "Oh, I wonder if he's going to show up," you know, later on in the series. And then again, it was some fucking film student type. But you know how I know that, Chris? Because he fucking told me. <laughs> you know? oh, no. like, oh, I've studied film scripting and it's like oh fuck off you, you know what you know what i usually say chris it, it, when we watch, watch these reality things and it's like people who say oh yeah i'm really funny or i'm an open book or and they describe themselves and it's like if you had to tell people you're funny chances are you're not that funny you know yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you know if you have to tell someone oh yes i studied film scripting or whatever the fuck it is uh yeah all right why not just well, let you your know, knowledge yeah. speak for itself? Dave, you know what, Reddit, I, I, and I agree, I joined Reddit about five or six years ago. And, you know, my original podcast on my own was about Pro Evolution Soccer. That was my, my, I did a fitness one, but my main one was about Pro Evolution Soccer football game. And it's gone to shit the last few years. That was my one love I've got. I actually got to the left of me every single version in the English, Japanese. I've got all American. I've got, I have a massive collection of the winning 11 stroke pro evolution soccer games, right? Even though FIFA's the one everyone plays, and I play FIFA, it's my baby. I used to go on there and I used to get loads of traffic through my podcast. I used to get like thousand people that download it every week. I'd get guests on around the, the world. That's why you come on in the end, didn't you? The contextual mm, podcast yeah, it was yeah. called. You used to come on, call it contextual because that's what the thing with Pro Evo was about. There's a lot of contextual actions that happened in a video game, which was unheard of. And it was like a buzzword. So it was a bit of a piss take of uh, like the PR people at Konami who made the game. So anyway, I did this podcast and I decided to create a website and I created the contextual world on there because I was getting like review copies of the games. It only lasted, the podcast lasted about a year, 18 months, but the, the website lasted about seven, eight months. And I created it from scratch. You know, I'm, I'm good on computers. I've always been on them since I was a kid. Absolutely, you know, technology is my thing. And I just created it a bit like a squ- Squarespace or whatever sort of website. And you have all the templates and you put your own stuff in. I had logos done. I, had, I embedded all the podcast. I did it all myself, not a web 
site designer at all. And then I started writing articles on there, my own stuff about my video game history, then it talks about the football, the pro evolution. Put put it on fucking Reddit, Dave. Then and someone put I put it on and said, Hey guys, on a pro evolution soccer Reddit subreddit, and I put um new to all this i'm not fucking great grammatically but you know i'm not stupid but the, you know there is stuff that to read sometimes it might be you you get my fucking text messages dave i never even check them when i send them i'm supposed to say something like i'll see you later dave and i'll say something like yeah i'm just shagging a horse dave i'll say something <laughs> stupid like that because i never spell check i type as i'm writing send it and then go oh fuck so that's just me and um, and I get ripped by my fucking brothers and sisters for that because they said I type like my dad. It's like I'm fucking talking to them as if you're in the room and never fucking check it. <laughs> so um, and it sounds bad that because I'm not a technophobe, you know that. But technology is my thing. But I go on Reddit, Dave, and I got ripped to fucking shreds. <laughs> I got ripped to shreds. <laughs> fucking people were just, <laughs> you'll have to somewhere, just <laughs> fuck off you. They were, they were just ripping me. This guy went, this is so ridiculous to even read. It's so hard to read on your brain. The colors of your website are wrong. And I'm just, I'm trying to be nice. And I'm like, look, it's fine. <laughs> just, just tell me what, what you think. And, and some guy was actually really nice. He went, you've got to just go with a white background chain. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I said, I know what I like on a website. I tried to, you know, make it how what I would say. Obviously, I was fucking wrong. Or I got shredded, Dave. So much so that after a while, I'm like, I'm not fucking writing these anymore because it's just like <laughs> I was writing from the heart about different games and putting all the pictures on and creating these articles. And I'm not a professional writer. I got a fucking a B and a C in English at school. That's it. I never took it any further than GCSE. Oh, I got fucking honestly. It was one of them. Fu- it ended up being funny because I'm like, you people are a bunch of fucking pricks. <laughs> yeah. And I even put that on there. I put someone like you're a bunch of twats at the end i said what a horrible <laughs> bunch of people and i've never written anything again <laughs> well i i've sort of known of it and i it's just a bit of an experiment so just through february i'm gonna kind of lurk around a bit see if i uh, see if it's another platform that i want to invest any time in because it, it's got loads of stuff on like you know the reality stuff that we do um but i do notice there are some threads that just get really toxic really quickly. And it does seem to be uh, a hive of scum and villainy, quite honestly. (laughs) (laughs) As a a gamer, Reddit is brilliant for, for like, insider stuff and you'll get stuff about the new when the new consoles were coming out and the games you get look people will go on there dave who work for the fucking microsoft and sony and just release everything you know like proper do all insider stuff that shouldn't even be coming out but um yeah it's fucking it's just horrible to people it's like any social media platform but reddit especially is just toxic i think yeah yeah well, evidence suggests by my film scripting buddy that um, you might be right there. But I'm going to persevere for a little bit longer. So if you would also like to drop us a review, one to five stars, <laughs> we, we can, again, go off on a massive tangent. Now, Chris, where can people get in contact with us? If you want to follow us on social media, guys, at VHS Strikes Back. If you want to email us, the VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com. Get over to patreon.com forward slash VHS Strikes Back if you want to support the show. We've got various tiers from a pound all the way up to the McFly at £10,000, and we'll get you to Vegas at some point when we can actually travel, uh, and we'll record over there with you guys. So if anybody wants to do that, me and Dave will just absolutely love it. We reckon the budget for that would be 10000 Dave. Podcast. 
£2.50 wrestling mm. in Vegas on uh, debauchery <laughs> and stuff. You know, as you say, what stays in Vegas and all that. And, and if you do want to get onto our reviewing stuff and drop us another review, if you're a film critic or film student, whatever, then uh, get over to your podcast catching up and drop us a review. Good or bad, as you can tell today, we'll read them all out. So, Dave, anyway, what have we got next week? Because we've got a trailer, haven't we? Now, Chris, we have got a classic next week. So you and I both haven't watched this one, but from the trailer, it looks absolutely glorious. And this is from our new Patreon, Blake, who's given us a load of movies that we could potentially look at in the future. But this is the one that we're going to start off, and it is Surf Nazis Must Die. Sometime in the near future, a major earthquake will lay waste to the entire California coastline. From out of the rubble will rise a menace far more terrifying than the death and destruction. Surf Nazis. Who rules the beaches? Who rules the surfers? The beautiful beaches, once the crown jewels of California, are now ruled by ruthless gangs. Only one person is powerful enough, daring enough, brave enough to stop them. Only one person can ensure that surf Nazis must die. She's tough. I want to buy a gun. You're interested in something that'll take the head off a honky at 20 paces she's dangerous she's all woman she's leroy's mama and as long as she's alive the surf nazis must die first there was the road warrior then there was the terminator now comes an action film of relentless excitement taste some of mama's home cooking hey See the film that is creating a tidal wave of action all over the world. See, surf Nazis must die. (laughs) And Dave, thank you for that trailer. And anybody listening, you're probably like, what the hell is this? You have to, as homework, go on YouTube and actually watch the trailer. That's all I've got to say. (laughs) This could become... A classic in Samurai Cop mold, Dave. It could, because I've not watched it yet, because the trailer looks glorious. It it looks up there. It looks like one of those movies that we just might actually love. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but we will. (laughs) It is just horrendous uh, from the trailer, but uh, I hope it can continue that, because if it is the same quality as the trailer, it's going to Cloud City. (laughs) (laughs) All day long, Dave, all day long. (laughs) (laughs) now chris i have to say i'm going to finish off today after our one star review at the end there and just say i am jack's inflamed sense of rejection see you next week very good very good see ya that's it man game over man it's game over what the fuck are we gonna do now what are we gonna do maybe we could build a fire sing a couple of songs huh why don't we try that we better get back because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. That's not. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Wax on, wax off. One ring to go. All right. Ding, ding. Bust you up. Go for it. Well, here we go. Ain't so bad. 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 Ain't
You must be crazy or something. I'm crazy. You just a stupid Yeah, maybe you stupid. You're crazy. ain't breathing heavy. He's a fool. He's stupid. I see you in six months. I must break.